Hallelujah. Father, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for the beauty of your holiness. Thank you for your people that are gathered together here from all over the world. From wherever they are watching the live stream from, we just want to thank you that your blessing rests upon them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God, as we are, we are gathered together here this morning to hear your word to hear what you have to share. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be opened to see the nuggets, to receive the nuggets of wisdom that you are going to share with us. May we be doers of the word, not just hearers alone. May we, O oh God, bring to fruition through the help of the Holy Spirit that which you have shared with us. As we begin to prepare our hearts even for the coming year, Lord, I thank you, Almighty God, that your words will land on the fertile soil of our hearts. And those words will produce fruit, will produce harvest, bountiful harvest for the future in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. May your name be glorified and your people be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, today I'm going to be talking about part three of the message that I started two weeks ago. I started talking about in the beginning of the month of December. I started t- talking about being a doer of the word. How you can be a word doer. And being a word doer really is about acting on the word of God. Patterning your life after the word of God. Believing that the word of God is indeed true in your life. Therefore, if the word of God is true, you're acting it out because you believe it is true. There was, an, there was one analogy that I gave in church, uh, in midweek service, uh, I think about maybe a month ago, that the Lord shared with me. And the Lord said to me, imagine the Lord Jesus walks into your church and then lays his hands upon your people and says to them, from this day forward, whatever you say will come to pass. And then the question he asked me is, what will you say? And that's the question I'm posting to you. If the Lord Jesus Christ walks into your room, wherever you are right now, lays his hands on you and say, wonderful child of mine, here is something that I want you to know. From this day forward, based on the fact that I've laid my hands on you, from this day forward, whatever you speak out of your mouth will come to pass. What will you say? I'm 100% sure you will say only good things out of your mouth, right? You will say the things that you want. If you are believing God for money, you say money come to me. You know, if you're believing God for healing, you will say I'm divinely healed. If you believe God for promotion at work, you will say my promotion, my promotion comes speedily. Why is that? Because that is what you want, right? Because now you know the words you speak carry power. Now you know that based on what the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's going to come to pass. Now you know and now you believe because you saw a physical manifestation of Jesus coming into your room and telling you from this day forward, whatever you say will come to pass. I believe a lot of people having an encounter with Jesus and the physical reality will do exactly that. You will say what you want. You only speak good things out of your mouth. But do you know this same statement that I've made is already in the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 11, from verses 23 to 24. This guy says that 
whatever you say, if you don't doubt in your heart, if you believe you have received it, just guy says, you are going to have it. That's what he said, that you are going to have what you say. It's exactly like Jesus Christ was in the room with you right now telling you, whatever you say, you are going to get. There's no difference. Now, there's a scripture in the book of John chapter 20. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he showed up to the apostles, to the disciples, and he says to them, peace be unto you. When he showed up to them in the in the upper room, when he showed up to them in the room where they were where they, where they, they, they were in hiding, they saw him. They they touched him. They saw his appearance. He showed them uh, the nails, the, the 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 print of the nails, and he showed showed them uh, the, the the gash at the side that showed the fact that he was the real deal. But there was a man named uh, uh, um, Thomas that was not there. He was one of the disciples. He wasn't there. And when he showed up, after Jesus Christ had left, he showed up and they told him, we had seen the Lord. Thomas says, unless I put my hands in the hollow of his palms, unless I put my hands on, on his inside, on, the, on his side, to touch where the gash has been, I will not believe. Seven days later, our Lord Jesus Christ showed up in the same place and he said to them, peace be unto you. This time around, Thomas was there. And Thomas looked at the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke to him and said, Thomas, reach out your hands now and put it here and see. It is me. And Thomas said something. He said, my Lord and my God. And the Lord Jesus Christ says something that is quite profound that we must always remember. He said to him, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, which are physical eyes, right? You have believed. He said, blessed are those who have not yet seen me, who have not seen me, but believe. And that tells us a lot that in the realm of the kingdom, in the realm of God, in the house of God, in the platform where we say we belong, if we say we are children of God, God has placed more emphasis on believing before seeing than seeing before we believe. In the realm of the natural, where we all live, people place emphasis on seeing is believing. When they see is when they believe. But it is the opposite way in the realm of God. In the realm of God, you believe before you can see. Which means when the word of God comes to you, you have to choose to believe it before you can experience it. So when we talk about doing the word of God or being a doer of the word, we are saying, remember the word of, of God will come to you. As the word of God has come to us now in for 2023 that says 2023 will be a year of stability and prosperity. That is the word of the Lord that has come to you. But you must believe that word before you can experience it. Why? That is the way it works in the kingdom. So last week, I spoke about the fact that God has declared over our lives some identity. For example, I spoke about the fact that God sees us as sinless. And I use the book of 1 
book um, of Colossians chapter 1 verse 22, I believe, to explain to us that God, from this point of view, sees us as flawless, holy, and blameless. But the thing is that in order for you to experience being blameless, being holy, and being flawless, you have to believe first. You cannot say until I feel holy, until I feel flawless, before I can believe. You have to believe first that you are before you experience it. That is the way the kingdom works. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. What that statement actually means is, those who have been declared righteous will experience the God kind of life by faith. Which means, to experience the God kind of life, it is by faith. It is by believing him, even when it doesn't make sense. I'll give you an example. Today, all over the world, you hear news about recession is coming, you know, this and that and that and that. And that's the, oh, that's the convoluting conversation going on in the world, which in the natural is the truth, right? It's correct. But in the realm of the spirit, God says, I am going to prosper you and bless you. It doesn't make any sense. How could God bring prosperity to you when the whole world is saying things are getting tougher and tougher? Because the way of God doesn't follow the pattern of men. There's a story in the book of 1 Kings, I can't, read, I can't remember the actual chapter, when Elijah said that um, by this time tomorrow, you know, uh, a, 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 a loaf of bread will be sold for a ridiculous amount of money. And that was a prophetic statement that Elijah made. Elijah made that because over the preceding three years, there has been famine in the land. For three years, there was no rain. There was drought. People have people didn't have food to eat. So you could imagine that be a, a case where there was global inflation. There was a recession everywhere. There's not enough food. The farmers are not producing. The rain was not falling. Things were so hard. And people have sort of gotten used to this uh, atmosphere of lack for, for so many years that it is absolutely ridiculous that a prophet will come around and say, by this time tomorrow, the loaf of bread I used to buy at Tesco or at Sainsbury or at any of your store may possibly cost, let's say, $5. And it says, by this time tomorrow, it's going to cost, um, let's say, um, $1 or, let's say, 50p. You will agree with me that in the natural, that is absolutely ridiculous. So there was a guy who was who heard what the prophet said and he was standing beside uh, the king. He was uh, one of the king's advisors. And he says a statement that he said, even if God were to open the, the, the windows of heaven, if, he, if the whole sky could just turn into windows or portals where God can just throw down this, this, this abundance overnight, it is not going to happen. Why? Because it doesn't make any sense. And Elijah said, well, you have spoken it, but this is what you you know. But tomorrow you are going to see this thing, but you will not partake of it. Why is that? The guy did not believe. The guy followed seeing is believing. But in the realm of God, believing is seeing. God wants you to believe first for based on what he has said. Then you are going to experience it. 
Of course, in the story that I just shared now, it happened so such that overnight, through some sort of miraculous encounter, which I can't go into here, uh, you know, some some lepers, um, some lepers <laughs> found um, um, found a, a, a group of soldiers somewhere. They were camping against the city, and as they were approaching, God made these other soldiers to hear to, to, to hear the sounds of the lepers crawling or moving towards their camp as the sound of a, a mighty army coming to invade them and they ran and they left all everything that they had all the goods that they had or the or the or the provisions that they've got they left it and ran away. That's how the lepers went in there, began to pack, you know, the spoils and then they brought the word to the king and said, look, by the way, look we found this <laughs> this camp here just outside of the city where they, they seem like the the so the soldiers left in a hurry and they left all these provisions and that's why overnight the city had what had so much food so much uh so much food that you know surely the loaf of bread was set, was sold for the price right that the man of god said Obviously, the guy that did not believe what happened to him, he saw that that happened. But in the in the in the uh, in the stampede of people trying to go and get his spoils, he was trampled on, on the foot and he died. And what is that? What's that telling us? Essentially, is this: when God gives you a word, when God releases His word over your life, God gives you a promise in the Bible. God declares a word over you. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to believe what God has said. You must believe it so that you can experience it. Bible without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The good news is that we have faith. We have faith living inside of us. So, and that's why God calls us believers. Because we have faith living inside of us, we should be able to believe God, right? For the impossible. God wants us to believe so we must believe before we can experience. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 22, God says, You are holy, you are blameless, you are without any reproach in his sight. So now, if you want to follow the, follow the formula that God gave us in the book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, when God says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on this book of the Lord day and night. Why? So that you may observe to do all that is written daring that is in the word of God. So that you can then observe to do it. Then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. We had a formula that we've been looking at which is confess plus meditate plus do equals good equals prosperity plus good success. So if God has declared over your life that you are holy and blameless, what should you say? You should say, you should agree with God by saying, I am holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says in the Amplified Version, the Bible says, Yet Christ has now reconciled you to God in his physical body through death in order to present you before the Father, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. God, as Christ did that, he, he, he died to present you before the Father. How is he presenting you holy, blameless, and beyond reproach? So, you, when you confess this, you should say, I'm holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Now, for some of you, if you are hearing this for the first time, if you have been coming to church for a while, this is not going to be a big deal because you've heard me preach on this many, many times. But if this is your first time, and you start to say, I'm holy, blameless, and above reproach, I'm holy, blameless, and beyond reproach, 
you might feel funny in your heart because it, it, it doesn't sound right right it doesn't sound right it is, that's not what what you're used to right that's not what is common to the kind of things you've been hearing and I therefore beseech you, don't give up. Don't say, oh, this thing doesn't work. I don't want to get into errors here. This is what the word of God says, all right? Keep persevere in your confession. The Bible says we should hold on to the confession of our faith, right? Why? Because God is faithful. So as you begin to confess these things, what, what do you think will begin to happen? It will begin to build faith in you. Even though you, you have faith, but your faith is not working because you have been listen, listening to something else that says, that tells you, you are who God says you are not, or you are not who God says you are, right? Because you've been listening to that, your faith is not really active, it's not working. You have the faith, but it's not working. So as you begin to confess this truth out of your mouth, what will happen is faith begins to rise up in your heart. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you begin to confess this, what will then happen is that your heart, you start having a new picture. What does it mean to be above reproach? It means... I am without any fault. It means God doesn't see any fault in me. How is that possible? Because of the blood of Jesus. You know, so what? I, this question I'm asking, as I'm talking about this, I'm asking this question, what am I doing? I am meditating. And then you might say, oh, that means that if I stand before God, there's nothing for God to judge, right? Because I am beyond reproach. I am blameless. I'm holy. How, did, how could this happen? Because that's what Christ has done for me. So you see, now, what you have to do now is to believe that statement. Remember, unless you believe, you cannot experience it. So once you believe, oh, I'm holy and righteous and blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ, that's who God has declared me to be. Once you accept that reality as a truth, what will happen, therefore, is this. You are able to then begin to act like somebody who is holy and blameless. Does that make sense now? Some people think you have to do to become. First, you must believe first in your heart. And then the rest is working out of the predominant image in your heart. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17, the Bible says, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God essentially is saying here that he will not remember your sin, he will not remember your iniquities anymore. This is what God says he has done. Which means God is not judging you based on your past. He's not keeping record of your mistakes or what you have done or what you have not done. So if God says he will not remember your sins again, what you have done before you became born again. What do you do? How do you agree with this truth? Where you have to start to say the same thing that God has said. You have to begin to declare out of your mouth that God has said is is not holding anything or iniquity against me. You will not remember them anymore. So I choose also not to remember them. I choose not to keep a, a rota or a roll call or a diary of the things I have done. You know, because God no longer sees them. But in the book of Amos chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Which means, in order for you and God to agree, you have to be walking in the same direction. And one of the ways in which you walk in the same direction is through the words of your mouth. If you allow your mouth to speak about what the devil is doing, what is going on in the world, what the news media uh, is portraying, then you have not agreed with God. You have allowed your mouth to become the words of, of, a, of a lamenter. You've allowed your mouth to become the word of a pallbearer or somebody who, who is a mourner. God doesn't want you to do that. God wants your mouth to be filled with his praise. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 7, verse 24 to 25, that those who hear the word of Jesus and do them, they are declared wise. 
The Bible says when you hear the word of Jesus and you do the word of Jesus, right, what will happen? You are wise. And Jesus Christ likened such a person to a person who builds his house on a rock. The rock in this case is the truth of who God is, the truth of what God has said, the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the truth of the new covenant. So Jesus Christ says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. Now, notice here, the Bible never said that we will not face winds. The Bible never said we are not going to face storms. The Bible essentially said when you face, when you face storms and, and challenges of life, the, what will make you to, to, to stand, what will make you to overcome the challenges is what? Is because you have heard the word of Jesus and you have done them. So that's the reason why being a doer of the word is very important. It's not everybody who comes to church, lift up holy hands and attend all the services that are doing the word. That's the reason why somebody, oh, this guy's been going to church for many years. How come we're not seeing any results in the person's life? The person is not doing the word. Jesus Christ says that um, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask the Father whatsoever you want and he will do it for you. Essentially saying, if you abide in me, well, we already abide in him because he lives inside of us, right? But the question is, is his words abiding in us? Are we taking the message are we taking the gospel? Are we taking the promise of God? Are we marinating our hearts with them? Are we vocalizing them? Are we seeing them in our lives as already true? Are we living from the point of view of abundance, of provision, that things are already done? Or are we grasping at straws like things are going to go out of fashion? You see, the choice is entirely up to us. God has sent me here this morning to challenge us, to encourage us, including myself, to say in 2023, if you want to live in the state of this stability and prosperity, you have to take the word of God for what it is. You have to pattern your life based on the word of God. You have to choose the, the, the vocabulary that's coming out of your mouth. You have to choose also uh, the voices that you allow to speak over your life. So, God called you a name. So today I'm going to be talking over the next 30 minutes. I'm going to be sharing a message that I've called doing the word, but the power of your name, the power of your name. So Jesus Christ says here that you are going to be wise in book of this John that we just read, John chapter 7, verse 24 to 25. Jesus Christ says you are going to be wise. You're going to know how to deal wisely in the affairs of life if you hear his word and you do them. All right. Okay, so if God has declared you to be wise, if you do those words, the question is that how will that work in your life? Is that say, for example, God has called you holy and righteous and blameless, like He has called you, like I shared with you last week, Colossians chapter one verse twenty-two? How will that work in your life? The first thing is to agree with God, right? To agree with God. So. Now, I want to show you why agreeing with God is important. There are three things I want to cover right now. Why agreeing with God is important. Number one, when God calls you a name, God impacts the destiny of a thing by calling it the name that God has called it. So when God calls something by name, God impacts destiny to that thing. Essentially, God 
impact what that thing should be doing by the name that God calls it. So, let's look at an example. Abraham. Abraham was, first of all, his name before was Abraham. And Abraham means exalted father. Exalted father. That was the name he had. But God changed his name to what? Abraham, which means father of many nations. Now, when God changed Abraham's Abraham's name to Abraham, Abraham didn't have any child. Talk less of having many nations. But God always calls those things that be not as though they were. God calls something what they are meant to be while they are not yet it in the physical. Why? Because in the realm of the spirit, they already are. Hallelujah. Another example is Sarah. Sarah's name was Sarai, which means princely. But God calls her what? The queen of princes or mother of princes. Wow, that's beautiful. So in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, the Bible says, God said to Abraham, you shall not call your wife Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, God told Abraham, you shall no longer be called Abraham, while your name shall be Abraham, a father of many nations, have I made you. God said, I have made you. Not, I am going to make you. I have made you. This is the reason why God, when God calls you holy and blameless, it is something that God has already done. He has accomplished it. Accomplished it. The question is, will you agree with him and believe it? I hope you understand what I'm saying here. God calls you a name. The name that God calls you might to be totally different from what your parents have called you. Might be totally different from what your teachers have called you. But God calls you a name. In fact, God may call you a name that you don't feel like it. You don't feel like that's the name. You don't, you don't, you don't feel it. You don't feel that name. But God, that's what God calls you. But how do you make that name to work for you? It is by calling yourself the name that God has called you. You look in the book of in the book of Genesis here when God called Abraham, Abraham. I say God says to him, today you start calling yourself Abraham. Do you know it was one year after the name change that Abraham gave birth to Isaac? Why? Because when you start to call yourself the name that calls you, what you set in motion is an avalanche of change, an avalanche of miracles, an avalanche of creativity. Why is that? Because words are containers of power. Especially the word of God are containers of power. So when you begin to say what God says about you, what you are doing is you are releasing power into the atmosphere. You are releasing power into your life. Hallelujah. Let's look at another example, Jacob. Jacob was, Jacob's name originally meant cheater, deceiver, supplanter. Why? Because the boy was a rascal. You know, he essentially, you know, cheats and lies and does all, all kind of stuff. And he has been getting away with it. He has been living a reckless life, running around all over the place. But God's mercy was with him. So one day, while Jacob was trying to get back to his father's house, and he has been he has been away for many years, and now he's had a, a number of children, he had an encounter with an angel, and uh, he had this encounter with an angel, and he was afraid because he was going to meet his brother Esau that he cheated the birthright from. All right, so he had this encounter with the angel, and. Um, he, he, as he grappled with the angel, he didn't want to leave the, let the angel go. And they had this, uh, this conversation ensued. The, the, the angel asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is, what is it? 
Jacob and Jacob may supplant her. Ooh, are you a deceiver? But the angel said, no. From today, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel, for you are a prince with God. You have power with God and power with men. So that name, that day, his name changed. And the day his, the, the, the day his name changed, what happened to, uh, uh, to Jacob or would not become Israel, he started to, he, he entered into a realm where he was able to fulfill the promise or the covenant that God made to Abraham before. God already made a covenant to Abraham that says, out of you shall kings be or princes be. That's why Sarah could be called the mother of princes. There were no princes when God said it. And even when you look at life of Jacob, I mean, Isaac, which, which, Isaac, which was uh, the, the father of Jacob. So Isaac was the father of Jacob. Isaac was the son of Abraham, right? Isaac was the one that was born to Abraham and, and, and Sarah based on the promise of God. But Isaac now gave back to Jacob, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob now had, ultimately had 12 children. So the, the, the line began to grow. But it wasn't until during Jacob's time that this royalty started to form. But what, why did that happen? It was because Jacob's name got changed when he had this encounter with the angel. When God changed his name, there was a release of the prophetic, a release of the prophecy that God had with, with Abraham. It became, it started to, the consummation of it started to manifest on unravel at this point in time. How that makes sense? Okay, so I, I don't have time to talk about all the other ones. So there we have Daniel. Daniel's name um, is God is George. But he was called the chief deity of Babylon. His name, his, his name that was given to him in Babylon was Betashazar. But his name was changed to Daniel. And, that's, and it's, it's, it's amazing though that in, in the Bible, Daniel was not called Betashazar. It was called Daniel throughout. Why? Because when God changes your name, he maintains that name. No matter how you feel, no matter what you experience. When God changes your name, that is the name you have, regardless of your experience. How that makes sense? All right. So that helps us to just understand that names are important. So the second thing to know about why you need to understand the power of name, why changing your name is important is because... Every time you call the name of a thing or a person, you are affirming the meaning of its name. You are decreeing the meaning of that name. I'll say that again. When you say the name of something, this is a lamp, this is a computer, you are affirming that name. You are declaring for everything around you that can hear. They say, this is the name that this thing bears. You are essentially making a decree. Now, according to Job, Chapter 22, verse 28, the Bible says, You shall decree a thing and it shall be established. So when I call something by name, I'm establishing the name of that thing. I'm establishing the identity of that thing. I'm establishing the reality of that thing. I'm establishing uh, the outcomes that I want to see from that thing. How that makes sense? So, for example, if you have a wife and you call your wife stupid, you are establishing her to be stupid. You are establishing her to be who she is you are decreeing that upon our life how does it make sense to you because your words carry power 
So when we call something by name, we are essentially calling that thing by name. We are affirming the meaning of that of that name upon that thing, and we are decreeing. We're saying that's who you are. That's what you've been declared to be. Right. So God says, when you decree a thing, it shall be established. So when you call something by name, you are establishing it. You are affirming the meaning of it. Right. Number three, everything in the universe has ears. Everything in the universe has ears. And everything in the universe, therefore, listens, can hear. Therefore, when you say something, there are things around you, whether physical, animate or inanimate, that will hear what you said and they will respond to that. I know some of you might struggle with that. I'll give you an example. When God spoke to the earth and said, Earth, bring forth uh, vegetation. God spoke to the earth. God spoke to the earth and said, Earth, now produce vegetation. I got to ask you a question. You know the money you spend, that dollars or pounds or whatever it is, whatever currency you spend, where did it come from? It came from paper. Where did paper come from? Paper came from trees. Where did trees come from? Trees come from what? The earth. So your paper really is made of the earth. Now when God spoke to the earth and said, Earth, bring forth vegetation. Essentially, God spoke to the earth and the earth produced what? The money. The money you are spending. That means the money you are spending has to respond to, to your words. You can speak to it and say, money, you will serve me. Money, you will go far in my hand. Money, you will not be wasted. You can speak to that. And that money has to respond. Why? Because when you speak the word of God, you are addressing the source of that money. You are speaking to the source from which the money came from. That's what, what are important. So when you name a thing, you are appending the destiny to it. When you name a thing, you are affirming what the reality of that thing. But the most important thing is things around you, the things that you are speaking to can also hear. What does that have to do with your name? Well, here's the thing. If you hear your name being called or you hear other names being called about you. So somebody tells you you are a fraudster, or they tell you all sort of they call you all sort of names. You are you are clumsy. You are a fool. You are clothes. Whatever it is, somebody start to give you an appellation, declaring that that is a voice. That's a voice, and that's why I don't joke with random jokes. You know, like we just call and start calling them. I don't joke with it. You know, because I understand the principle here that. Everything has a voice and everything has ears to hear. So when you say random words about somebody and you declare it and say, this is who you are, or you're just joking, oh, that guy's a fool, or you're just saying words, you know, nasty words about somebody, that is a voice. And every voice has a meaning. Let me show you a scripture in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 10. The Bible says, there are it may be so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them is without signification what the bible is essentially saying here is what the voices that speak into your life nevertheless do have power nevertheless do have significance so essentially if you allow your heart or your life to be a dumbyard where somebody can just speak anything they like the words that have been spoken over your life, the voices that you listen to will shape your life. There's a scripture in the book of Romans, I believe chapter 6, that says that, I think maybe verse 16, that says, to whom that you yield your life to obey, 
to him you become a servant of. To whom that you yield your life to obey. To such a person you become a slave of. Which means if you yield your life to obey the voice that calls you clumsy, the voice that calls you lazy, the voice that calls you incompetent, the voice that calls you uh, ugly. If you listen to that voice and you don't challenge that voice, you become a slave of that voice. You become a slave of that voice. And the way to change that is to begin to say, no, I refuse that. I refuse that. So don't be a sewage that everybody will just pour their rubbish into. No, don't be that. Don't be like that. Get the filter up. Let you, let Be on alert. Be careful what you are hearing. Be careful how you are hearing. Be careful what you are saying. Very important. It's not just enough about, oh, this is what I'm saying. What are you hearing? What, what, are, what are you allowing to paint images in your heart? And the images that those things are painting are totally different from what God has painted in your heart. What are you allowing? Now, remember, Jesus Christ says, God will allow what you allow. God will reject what you reject. Somebody says, ah, it's up to God. No, it's not up to God. God has given you power. God has given you power. I say, will you use your power? Don't say it's up to God. He has made you the one to have authority in your own life, in, your, in the realm of your influence, on this earth, we got to use it. Don't sit down and say, and let somebody just speak random stuff over your wife, over your children, over your husband, over people around you, and you say, oh, it doesn't matter. No! You got to stand up and say, I forbid that in the name of Jesus. Just this week, you know, the Lord was showing, something, showing me something. Again, I might not be able to finish this message, but, you know, I just hope it's blessing you so much. You know, God showed me something this week that I found quite important. You know, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, when the, the devil came to talk to the woman. I will bring it up. When the devil came to speak to the woman, Genesis chapter 3, and she was telling the woman about the fact that God knows that the day that they eat of the fruit, they are going to be like God, knowing good and evil. I learned something this week. That is possible for Adam to have been standing there beside Eve whilst the serpent was speaking to his wife and he never uttered a word. He never rebuked the devil and said, devil, get out of here. Adam shunned responsibility. You know what God told him, Adam when God put him in the garden? God says to him, till the garden and keep it. That was his responsibility. How in the world did the devil have access to enter into his house, into his garden? Not only that, I find a way to, to talk to his wife. What is meant to be keeping the garden? Let me explain this to you. You see, Eve here, let me find the scripture here actually. Verse 6, Genesis 3 verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the food thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, with her, with her, with her, and he did it. This tells you, with her means, Adam was with Eve, when the serpent was talking to her. And even if you don't agree with that, you will agree with me that after the serpent spoke to her, she reached, she looked at the tree. 
picked it, took it, and gave to the husband. Which means, either between the time that the, that the serpent spoke to her, she has spent some time to go around, go around, keep looking at the tree, and just uh, and where she was looking at the tree, the husband was with her, with her, with her, standing beside her. And then when she took it and took a bite and gave it to her husband, he was with her. So either you believe that the devils finished speaking with the woman, and the woman was just loitering around the garden, just hiding this fruit that God said they should not touch, and then she goes there and picks it, they picks it, but the husband was with her. That's the key thing when she did that, right? But he did not say a word. That's one level of shocking response. We didn't say, hey, baby, that's not what God didn't, God said this is not allowed. We should not do that. Put it down. Don't do that. Don't touch it. Don't do that. He didn't say a word. Are you with me? But the view, the, the, the bit that I got here was that in from verse 5 to verse 6, the Bible did not record that the woman had to go around and look around. That after the devil spoke to her, she spent some time, five minutes, thinking, oh, what did, what did Mr. Devil say again? Or what, what did that talking serpent say again? Mm, what did he say? The Bible did not record that. So I don't want to read in between the lines and say, oh, maybe the devil was speaking and then, then, you know, she had to walk around and make a decision. If you read it, if you read it line after the other, the devil said to her, God know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and it shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Right? And when the woman saw, and means the conjunction word, the word and have joins the two sentences together. When the devil said that, then the woman did something. The woman did what? She looked. Look at the tree and said, Oh, this tree is good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It will make me to be wise. And what did she do? She took it, ate the fruit of it, and then gave to her husband with her. So that suggests to me. That Adam was with Eve when the devil was talking to her. Question. Why did God not step in at that point in time and tell Adam, and tell, step in there and say, Satan, get out of here. What are you doing here? You want to corrupt my boy? Why did God not do that? The reason is very simple. God already gave the authority of the earth to Adam. And it's up to Adam whatever he wants to do with the authority that God has given him. I'll say that again. God gave the authority of the earth to Adam. And it's up to Adam to do whatever he wants to do with that authority. God is not going to step in there and say, hey, what's up, Adam? What, what are you doing here? No, God gave him the authority. And since Adam chooses not to exercise the authority God could not do anything about it. God did not come into that situation and say, oh, let me save the matter. No. Because God gave them the authority. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says, each one of you, under the new covenant now, must take responsibility for your own life. So which means, God has made all the promises available for us in Christ. It's up to you and I to be responsible for our lives. And you say, ah, God will show up. No, God already showed up in Christ. He's not saying, will you agree with what Christ has done for you? Will you agree? Will you take up your responsibility now and agree with what Christ has done for you? This text that I just shared with you challenged me tremendously this week. Challenged me tremendously this week that says, listen, 
if my life turns out the way it does, it's not meant to be. It is not God. This is my responsibility. I have made a mistake. I did not step up to what I meant to do. I didn't do what I meant to do. And I'm presenting it to you now. If there are things going on in your life that you don't like, God has given you the ability, the authority to chase the devil out. And one of the ways in which we may have we have allowed things to speak into our lives is because we have undervalued the power of, 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 of voices and the power of names. Everything has a name. And every name has a meaning. And if you allow the voices of lack, the voices of sickness, the voices of hopelessness, the voices of uh, penury, the voices of uh, joblessness, whatever it is that is all the vices in the world, if you allow those voices to speak into your heart and grip your heart and you don't do anything about by challenging those voices and say, get out of here in the name of Jesus, then God says, you are responsible. God says you are responsible. What matter? Voices matter. It is ignorance gone to seed to think that the words of voices we listen to will not affect us. Listen to me, people, as I round up, because my time is now up. In a world where different names are called to label people, choose your tongue to speak only the names that God has called you. If you don't do this, other voices will try to define you with a name that is not yours. There are voices out there. They want to define you by a name that is not yours. But God has called you a name. What, God, what name has he called you? He has called you holy, blameless, flawless. He has called you what? An ambassador for Jesus. He has called you what? Citizen of heaven. He has called you what? The chosen and elected one of God. He has called you what? He has called you beloved. He has called you what? He has called you heirs of God. He has called you what? He has called you sanctified. He has called you what? A king and a priest. He has called you what? Light of the world. He has called you what? Members of the body of Christ. He has called you what? A new creation in Christ. He has called you what? You are the redeemed one. He has called you what? The temple of God. He has called you what? That you are the vessel of mercy. So, in order for you not to allow the negative voices of the world to change your life, to speak into your heart and cause you to embrace an image that God has not placed in your heart, thereby producing negative results in your life, what must you do? You must learn first to listen up. Listen, pay attention to voices that you are hearing and then do a filter and ask the question, this voice I have just heard, how does it align with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Number two, Write down what does that name, that voice that you've heard. Now, if you write it down, how does it make you feel? If it makes you feel bad inside, then you know it is not from God. Then what do you do? Write the opposite. I was teaching my daughter this week about what I call pattern disruptors, and I said pattern disruptor is when negative thought comes to your heart and you do something else, something else to to disrupt the pattern. So, for example, if something says to you, "It cannot be done. You are going to fail," ask a question: What if I don't fail? When you ask that question into your heart, that negative voice in your heart that's trying to push you down will shut up because there's nothing else to talk about again now because you say, okay, what if I don't fail? What if I win? All right. Now, that is how you check. You know, write down what, how you feel about the words. Check out how you feel inside, right? And then if what you feel is not okay, take action. What do you do? You can do pattern disruptors. Say the opposite of, of what the voice is telling you and, or do the action that you normally would not want to do. And that's how you disrupt the pattern. How that's helpful. 
Praise God. Now, finally, stay grateful and curious. Be grateful. Live a life that is filled with gratitude. When you wake up in the morning, be thankful for the things that you have. When you begin to embody gratitude as a way of life, it will help you to only look at life from the realm of positivity. The more you are grateful, the more positive things flow into your life because your eyes are now going to be seeing only positive things. Hallelujah. So, hope this has been a blessing to you. My time is up. I didn't want to spend an hour talking, but I think I'm almost, I'm almost hitting the mark now. Now, there's a video I want to show you. I mentioned last week I was going to show you this video. It's a visual, this is a video of the movie, The Matrix. It's one of my favorite movies of all time because it talks about paradigms. It's about changes. Now, in this movie, there's a man called Mr. Anderson who lives in the real world as a hacker. You know, as a computer, computer scientist, you know, for a software company. But in the, in the other world, in the world that matters, in the spiritual world, as it were, he, he, he lives there as a hacker by the name Neil. In that world, is like a champion. He's somebody, somebody who's finding information, who's looking for a way out. But in this other world, it's like an ordinary life. Now, in this video, you see some people, some people call them agents. They're trying to uh, bring him, they're trying to bind him to the world where he was called Mr. Henderson. But in this video, when he realized that his name is not Mr. Henderson, that his real name, the name that gives him power, the name that brings him victory is Mr. Neo. And he was able to vocalize that out of his mouth. Something happened in that video. He got power and he was able to flip off all the negative vibes and landed on, on the platform where he was victorious. And the moral of that video that I wanted to take away as we round up the church service is this. Those machines calling him Mr. Henderson, Mr. Henderson, Mr. Henderson, they represent who? The devil. They represent what? The voice of your negative friends. They represent the voice of even people in your family that are always telling you you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. They represent the voice of the economy. They represent the voice of things that are not okay in this life. Try to put you in a cocoon that God has not put you. Try to give you a label that God has not labeled you. That's what those, those, those voices represent. And what does Mr. Neil represent? That is the name that God has called you. Now, when you decide this decide to open your mouth and call yourself the name that call that God calls you, just like Neil said, my name is not Mr. Henderson. My name is Neil. And you got the power to flip off out of the oncoming train track, oncoming train uh, train um, train that wanted to that want to haul at him and destroy him. And he had the power to flip off on the other side. That is exactly the same way when you begin to call yourself the name that God calls you. Then you are doing the word. Then you are going to experience more of the blessing of God. Why? Because you are declaring over your life what God has declared over your life. You are saying, I'm an ambassador for Christ. You are saying, I'm holy, blameless, and righteous. You are saying, lies are full to me in pleasant places. You are saying, I'm the light of the world. You are saying, God is in me. God surrounds me. All things are working together for my good. You are saying these things because it is true. Because you are saying it because it is true, then you are going to experience it. So, I'm going to ask our technical team now to play the movies about 30 seconds or 40 seconds. Please watch it. And then I'm going to come back and just round up the, the service. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. 
Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Goodbye, Mr. Anderson. My name is Neil. Alright, I hope that movie uh, speaks to you as it has spoken to me. Uh, please take time this week to speak over yourself the names that God has called you. Hallelujah. Say them out. Stand in front of the mirror. Say those names out. I am blessed. I'm beautiful. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm awesome. I'm blameless. I'm a saint of God. I am anointed. I am gifted. I am skilled. I am competent. I know what to do. Say those things over yourself. Look in front of the mirror. Say it. When you're about to sleep at night, say it. After a while, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it will become a heart condition for you. And when it becomes a heart condition for you, what will happen? You are going to begin to live it out. Then you are doing the word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just want to thank you for today. Thank you for the ability to share this word with your people. Thank you, Almighty God, that as we leave here, we'll remember the power of the name that you have called us. And Almighty God, help our mouths to speak your word, to call ourselves the names you have called us. Lord, you don't change your mind about these names. They, they are names that are etched in, 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 in eternity as the name that you have called us. Lord, we stand today, O oh Lord, upon this place this altar in the name of jesus and we declare for all the world to hear we declare for all the the supernatural forces around us here to hear that we are who god says we are that we have what god says we have that we are holy righteous blameless anointed gifted children of god in the name of jesus christ today we stand up just like abraham stood up to become abraham and he received the miraculous we stand now and say we call ourselves the name that you have called us and so shall it be in the name of jesus lord we thank you we give you praise in jesus name we pray hallelujah remember you are blessed and highly favored it doesn't matter what you are experiencing right now the blessing of the lord rests upon you in jesus name i'll speak to you another time god bless you bye thank you for worshiping with us we hope you enjoyed the sermon we were blessed to have you we hope to see you again on wednesday for midweek service at 6 p.m uk time morning prayers every saturday at 6 a.m uk time and sunday service at 8 a.m uk time the replay for today's service will premiere on youtube at 10 a.m uk time for love offering kindly use the bank details on your screen or you can scan the qr code on your screen to give via paypal we invite you to join our monthly practicality of grace series every first wednesday of the month the series features discussions with guests who take your questions and show you how to practically apply God's grace in different areas of your life. 
You can send your anonymous questions to the live chat on the website at www.thelighthouse.org. That is www.thelighthouse.org. Or you can send an email to lights at thelighthouse.org. Would you like us to pray with you? Kindly click the link that pops up in the live chat and fill the form or you can visit our website at www.thelighthouse.org and fill the request form. You can now book a counseling or prayer session with Pastor Davis on Calendly. Visit the link on the website or in the description box and follow the instructions to book a session. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on the username that is displayed on the screen. Don't forget to comment, like, and share our messages. Until next time, remain in your identity in Christ Jesus. The Lighthouse Church is starting a winter charity fund to help people who are in need. Donations are welcome from all members who want to participate. The fund will be used to buy blankets, warm clothing, and other items for the homeless. To participate, please send your donations to the account number displayed on your screen. God bless you as you answer this call.